Welcome to the Possibility Podcast. I'm Mel Schwartz, your host and thought provocateur. I've been practicing psychotherapy for well over 20 years. During that time, I've been so fortunate to witness countless breakthroughs while working with people, whether one-on-one, as a speaker, in professional trainings, or in workshops. The insights that I've garnered have inspired me to write over a hundred articles and several books, including the companion title to this podcast, The Possibility Principle, which you can find wherever books are sold. On this and every episode, I'll be introducing new ways of thinking, relating, and communicating to help you truly thrive in your life, to reach the possibilities that you may long for. Think of this as a new game plan for living. Thanks for enjoying my emerging community of possibility seekers, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Well, we certainly are in strange, daunting, and frightening times. I'm recording this in early April, 2020, in the height, the apex of the COVID-19 outbreak in the Northeast, at least of the United States, which is where I reside. This time in relative confinement creates such an opportunity for reflection, for slowing down, for contemplating, instead of racing about in our hurried, frenzied lives as we usually do. So I thought this would be a good time for us to stop and pause and reflect on the opportunities in front of us in regard to our relationships and core relationships. For many of us, for most of us, we are perhaps confined in those core relationships with our partners, our spouses, our parents, or our children. You know, even in the best of times, overcoming relationship and communication challenges are very, very trying. The reason for that is that we are illiterate in this field. It's so sad and regrettable that the most important things in our life, the very cornerstone of a happy, successful life, and I don't mean simply financially successful here, is developing emotional intelligence and communication skills, unless you were fortunate enough to have parents who had those capacities, and most didn't, this was not a subject matter in school for us. And so we are, through no fault of our own, perhaps somewhat illiterate or unschooled in the art of communication. So, particularly in light of our confinement during this time, I'd like to look at the opportunities and share with you some insights and new perspectives on how you can utilize this time to develop more effective, meaningful, respectful, and deeper communication with those around you. And even those not in confinement with you, certainly we're on the phone, we're FaceTiming, we are in communication. So, as I said just a bit earlier, Learning how to overcome communication, relationship difficulties is always challenging, even in the best of times. And we are certainly not now in the best of times, but in the time that presents opportunity in this regard. 
So with most of us now confined under the same roof, it's likely that discord and tensions can surface more easily. We're more easily agitated. We don't have the distractions, the retreats that we usually do. Our opportunities to take breaks from each other has vanished. Yes, we can retreat to our separate laptops if we're fortunate enough, separate rooms, phones, TVs. But that lack of social diversity may be creating greater tension. Some people talk to me and tell me it feels like they're in a pressure cooker with very little relief. Well, a common theme for me is that crisis always seems to create opportunity. Then now, more than ever, might be the time for us to learn some critical communication skills. So with nowhere to retreat or hide or distract us, the opportunity for our relationship growth may now be an urgent necessity. So let's begin. The first topic I'm going to be addressing and a primary theme for this episode is our need to be right. Why is it so important to be right? Well, philosophically and as a culture, particularly in competitive advanced cultures, the need to be right just overwhelms us. Because after all, if you're not right, that makes you wrong. And it needn't be this way. It's just the way we've been trained to operate. So our instinct to defend ourselves and to be right, this literally destroys the fabric, the quality of our relationships. Think of it like this. If I need to be right and I need to conquer and vanquish you and make you wrong. Now, how's that going to work out? This win-lose scenario, it's non-rational and it doesn't work. In couples counseling, there are occasions when I might ask, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Of course, not surprisingly, both people say they'd rather be happy, but within moments, they retreat to trying to win the argument. We turn our relationships into a debate, but no one can win and no one is listening. And this horribly, sadly, tragically causes affection, love, and respect to wither. This is why relationships that were romantic to start with tend to decline. The need to win an argument assures that no one is actively listening. Nothing stops listening as dead in its tracks as the words, you're wrong. The moment you say that or hear it, the ability to listen is finished. And then our words become like ping pong balls being whacked back and forth. The ability to feel loved, cared for, or validated is just vanquished and nullified by the drive to be right. This need to be right, to win at all costs, is antithetical to enjoying empathic and compassionate relationship. It doesn't make for friendships, let alone romantic relations. And this compulsion to be right sidetracks our lives and it impedes our learning in happiness. So how do we break through this mindless impasse? I stumbled upon an approach early in my career as a therapist. I was finding myself feeling frustrated in my work with one couple 
they kept arguing ceaselessly the way I've been describing, and I was failing. I had been unable to interrupt their argumentation back and forth. So as they're mired in the ceaseless argument, venting at each other, and no one's listening, and they're paying me to sit there and listen, which felt ridiculous and horrible for me. So I was searching for a way to help them slow down, actually listen to each other, to get past their gridlock. So I reflected for a moment or two on how I might approach this impasse differently. I've learned throughout my life that when I pause and set an intention to get out of my own way and look for an insight, it typically appears. And I found just such a moment. So going back to that session, intuitively, I asked the husband, we'll call him John, as always, I've changed the names of the people I work with to protect their confidentiality. So I said, John, can you try to find just a small percentage of what Barbara's saying that you might agree with? I made up this number. I said, can we just look for 5% of what she's saying that you can validate? And the 95% you don't agree with, you're not surrendering that. Let's just put it up on the shelf for the moment. I was asking John to go against the grain and to act counterintuitively by not defending himself nor trying to score a point. I explained to John that he was not pleading guilty as charged or surrendering his points. The goal was to establish some quiet so there can be a repartee so that they could each hear one another. Validating something that you're hearing sets the stage for a shift in energy. So John finally managed to affirm, to acknowledge one of his wife's complaints about him. He took ownership of a particular action of his. I noticed in that moment that his wife, Barbara, barely paused. She saw his acknowledgement. She was just about to go right back into the argument. I raised my hand, not in an authoritative way, but in a suggestive way, suggesting that she reflect for a moment about how it felt that John at least partially validated her. That's what I said to her. That's what I asked. So somewhat begrudgingly, she said to John, I appreciate that you care about my feelings and seeing that you hurt me. I then asked Barbara to validate some part of John's issues with her. And reluctantly, she began to do so. And they began to turn a corner. Their energy began to coalesce. And so a new technique was born for me. It's one that I now call the 5% rule. Here is what I mean. And remember, the 5% is an arbitrary percentage. It could be any percent, and we're not quantifying. But any small percentage of what you're hearing, we want to acknowledge that you agree with. So even if you disagree with the vast majority of what you're hearing, the charges against you or the defenses of their own, you ordinarily still can find some small amount of content which you could acknowledge. Now, often, typically, we marginalize, if not ignore this part, because our automatic default is to win the battle. Our thoughts seek to refute rather than confirm. Pause and ask yourself that question. When you're in a disagreement, are your thoughts seeking 
what is wrong, as though you were a, an attorney in a courtroom. But even though we say we care about each other or love each other, we don't act caringly or lovingly when we get grounded in trying to win an argument. So if we break free from the insane goal of winning an argument and try to find something in what the other person is saying that we can agree with, the results can be astonishing. Once the other person feels heard and affirmed, they are in a far better position to take in what you have to say. You see, what we have to say is essentially vitally important to us. But if we don't set the groundwork, if we don't pave the way for our words to be taken in, they fall on deaf ears. And we all know how frustrating that is. So when you do validate something, the timing is essential. You can't say, yes, I did do that, but, and go back into the argument. That is not validating. That's continuing the process of invalidating. So instead, affirm or validate something and pause and let a conciliatory, collaborative space open up, which that space otherwise would have been occupied by the noisy chatter of back and forth argumentation. We want to extend the openness of that space to feel a shift, which now becomes fertile ground for constructive exchange. So remember, if you rush to reframe or assert your own position too quickly, then your validation is going to appear counterfeit. First, you need to validate, then pause. Then you can have an opportunity to share what you need to with a far greater chance that your words would be heard. Wouldn't that feel great? Remember, affirming or validating the small percentage, the 5%, in no way means that you're abandoning your position. You simply laid the groundwork for the other person to take in what you have to say. This process allows us to halt our addiction to being reactive and move toward being responsive. What's the difference between reactive and responsive? As I share in great detail in my book, The Possibility Principle, the difference is a moment. If I can notice my reaction, I don't have to be my reaction. I can then respond rather than react. If I'm feeling hurt, wounded, angry, and I act out angrily, nothing good is going to come of it. But if I can notice my anger or my pain or my hurt not become the feeling and effectively communicate it, that's responsive and that's effective. The success of doing this allows both people to behave with compassion and empathy, to cooperate rather than to compete. The goal is not to win, but to care. You can immediately start to apply the 5% rule in your communications with others, with your parents, children, friends, relatives, even in business. Once you've found that small part of the other person's issue that you can validate, they will feel heard and may then open to what you have to say. What you want the other person to hear is essentially important but we need to set the stage so that when we speak, they can take it in. And from there, a healthy communication might emerge. 
but we must interrupt our compulsion to be right and the default to being reactive. After all, our reactions, by definition, are not considered or purposeful. That's why we call them reactions. You know, arguments are comprised of facts, pieces of information, data. They're objectively based. It's far more helpful to retreat from facts and simply share feelings. Remember, feelings by definition are subjective and they are beyond the scope of right or wrong. Try simply sharing how you feel. And if the other person rejects or invalidates you, then pause and ask, do you care how I feel? This moves us into the heart of the relationship, far from the courtroom antics of right versus wrong. This episode today, which I'll call the 5% rule, is just the first of many steps that I will be sharing in coming weeks and months toward attaining excellent interpersonal skills and developing emotional intimacy. These tools allow our relationships to prosper. And just as relationship skills and emotional intelligence ought to be our educational requirements, communication mastery should be the bedrock of any life that aspires to happiness, success, and fulfillment. During the entirety of the crisis of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, I'm going to be devoting most of my episodes and my articles toward addressing both the crises we face, how to remain emotionally and psychologically resilient, and to keep a vigilance of mind. We'll be addressing isolation, fear, relationship issues, a whole host of things. And please do go to my new page on my website, pandemic.melschwartz.com. I am going to be offering an entire network, support network, that is, of insights, coping strategies. I will be offering live Zoom conferences, which will be participatory, all devoted to not only riding through the turbulence of the pandemic, but developing insights and skills to allow us to prosper during this pandemic and to use to great benefit far after the pandemic is over. Stay tuned for the next steps, which will be coming soon. Tune in to pandemic.melschwartz.com. If you haven't yet read my book, The Possibility Principle, it's a complete primer on so many of the things that we're talking about. Stay safe, be well, be mindful, and we'll be speaking again soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Possibility Podcast with me, Mel Schwartz. To learn more about this topic and related subjects, please be sure to check out The Possibility Principle, my book at thepossibilityprinciple.com. I always welcome and look forward to your feedback. Please leave a comment at the show notes for this episode at melschwartz.com slash podcast, or simply send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com. You can also use that email address if you'd like 
like to be a caller on a future show and have a topic you'd like me to discuss. If you never want to miss an episode, find The Possibility Principle in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And be sure to hit that subscribe button. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are released. And if you know anyone who might benefit from The Possibility Podcast, please tell them about the show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, have a great day and keep summoning up those new possibilities. Thank you.